What got you there with got you got you What got you there with Shonda Laney got you there with Shonda Laney What got you there with Shonda Laney got you there with Shonda Laney What got you there with Shonda Laney You can learn your way to confidence and courage You can learn your way out of mediocrity It takes consistent hard work and you have to believe it's possible but it is indeed possible this is the mindset of Charlie, the Spaniard Brenneman, who joins Sean on the podcast today. With this mindset, Charlie rose through the ranks of the UFC while fighting some of the most accomplished mixed martial artists in the world. Now that his fighting career is done, Charlie is attacking life as a constant learner and helping others get the most out of life. This episode will have you excited to tackle your next obstacle in life. For the What Got You There listeners who love to travel and want to see the world, listen up. We've teamed up with Globekick, who make it affordable to enjoy peak life experiences with like-minded people from around the world. Globekick expertly designs, curates, and scouts global adventures for you to join. Each trip lasts one week and is designed to balance their unique blend of adventure, culture immersion, and relaxation. Globekick has some epic adventures planned, such as cage diving with great white sharks in Cape Town, South Africa, dog sledding and northern light chasing in Norway, and to see the rest, head to globekick.com. If you want to travel the world with your kind of people and not break the bank, then make sure to stop at globekick.com and enter code WGYT to receive 10% off your membership. Charlie, welcome to What Got You There. How are you doing today? I'm doing really well. We, uh, it's, well, you just mentioned the, uh, you know, the content I'm putting out and what I learned. And I'm actually f- finishing up. So I started a series on my podcast as a kid series. And I'm actually just finishing up uh, Way of the Warrior Kid by Jocko Willink. And uh, I'm going to create an episode for kids based on that book. But uh, it's freaking awesome, dude. So I love talking this learning and and uh, I'm excited to, to kick off this conversation. Yeah, no, one of the, the reasons I was even drawn to you even more is uh, my wife and I, we just had a kid, so he's a month old. So even just thinking about little things I can do for him to, to help instill right. some value. So obviously drawn to your content right now. Well, I appreciate that. So I just love reading in general. I love asking questions. I love having conversations. And I have two kids too, one's five, soon to be five and two. And, uh, I just look at like books and reading, especially, you know, the way the warrior kid books, there's two of them, but I mean, it's, it's tremendous. And, you know, your, your child's a month and mine are five and two, but it really, and truly it's like consuming all this stuff just gets me amped up for like, all right, what can I teach them today? How can I teach them today? What can we experience today? And, uh, I love it, dude. Yeah, no, so much I want to uncover uh, about your learning process, what you're consuming. But for the listeners, I kind of want to get in your origin story and tackle that briefly. So if your family's describing you when you're growing up, what's a sentence they would use to describe you? That's a good question, man. Uh, I don't know, hardworking. Uh, uh, I was going to say emotional, but uh, I don't know. That's a great one, but just hardworking, man. Uh, Goal-driven, you know, probably those two words. Yeah, no, I mean, that makes perfect sense. So, I mean, kind of uncovering you a little bit. You lost twice in the high school state championship for wrestling, correct? Yep, junior and senior year. I mean, so even just to get there, hardworking, I mean, I can only imagine some of the draconian practices you went through, some of the self-discipline you had. Were you very goal-oriented at the time, and, and that's where you wanted to get to? You were trying to be that state champion? Yeah, you know, and it probably started when I was eight. You know, and one, the research that you've done is great. And the way you're approaching me with it is great. It's very original. And, and I appreciate that. Um, but yeah, it, it started when I was a kid, you know, I just got into wrestling eight years old, but then it was like an automatic, like, Hey, I want to win state titles. That's what my, you know, that's what my uncle did. That's what I want to do. 
And then, yeah, by the time I reached high school, it's funny, man. I look at kids now, you know, both my relatives, other kids, whatever. And I'm like, man, when I was a kid, like I was getting up at this time. I was not eating this thing. I was doing this thing. So yeah, the draconian, (laughs) that's pretty spot on, man. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, by the time I hit 16, 17, 18 years old, I was already, you know, I was already in the draconianly operating wrestling machine. And that just, you know transitioned into you know into my life as it stands today man i love hearing that a wrestling machine i'm curious though were there any particular moments or specific instances in your childhood that really shaped who you were i I remember being a a young athlete and there were a few practices that i can still remember today that absolutely broke me to the core uh, but forever kind of changed my trajectory anything like that for you well i think with wrestling it was just uh, two i'll take two different paths here with wrestling you know it was just the constant flux of good and bad of uh reward and setback and and to be honest i don't want to say most of it was setback but by far most of it was either like hard discipline work slash setback and then a small portion was triumph you know like you i was fortunate i won most of the time so whatever that's that's a six minute match and then like a day or two of celebration and then it's back to the grind and so there was a lot more you know the the hard work discipline and then setback the setbacks were much more powerful than the triumphs so that in itself but then also when i was in middle school I'd, i've been talking about this a lot lately mainly because i started the kid series on on my podcast i uh i, I don't want to say i was bullied a lot but there were like there was always I, it was like I was the recipient of just crap because I was on kind of the the, the path, you know, to try to get good grades, try to win a state title. And, you know, that 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 your goals and your drive is a reflection of people. And I don't know if it was that with the kids in my in, in my grade or not, but it just was like constantly dealing with that stuff from the from from kids who are just trying to tear you down. Um, those two things really forged. You know, if I stand for something today, it was it was largely a result of those two things. Yeah, no, talking about the forging process. So, I mean, it almost seems like a natural transition, a very accomplished high school wrestler that someday you might end up uh, becoming a professional UFC fighter and entering the octagon. Was that progression kind of natural for you? Uh, Not really. It was. (laughs) Well, that's why I like your story, because it wasn't. Yeah, the seed, you know, the seed was there. Um, So I finished wrestling, you know, I, I finished high school and then I wrestled at college. Had a, a decent, you know, I was above 500 uh, Division One wrestling career, but it was really wasn't until my last year that I hit my stride. And and I was 35 and 11, you know, I think seven of the 11 were to All-American. So it was a legit, you know, it was a legit senior campaign, one match from All-American. And uh, then I was done. I had completely made up my mind I'm done. And I went home and I became a Spanish teacher and wrestling coach. And, you know, that was cool for a little bit, but then it was like, all those, <laughs> I like that term draconian, uh, all those practices and that lifestyle, it was now me, right? It had forged me. And when that wasn't present, it was like, oh man, this, this kind of sucks. What, what, what can I do now? And it wasn't for another year and a half from that point that it was like, ah, this fighting thing. And like I said, I, I hated fighting. I was scared of fighting my whole life, but I just looked at it as like, Hmm, a. uh, a manifestation of my skill set and my mindset. So yeah, let's go that way. Yeah, I mean, do you enjoy talking about your UFC career? You know, I don't mind it. Uh, I I do. I actually really enjoy it. Um, 
it's weird though because it's kind of a uh, a different spot than I am now. You know, it's like a, almost a different me or a different type. Well, it was a different type of my life. I uh, I don't know if it, I was reading two books today, Kevin Hart's book and Warrior Kid, and uh, I forget which one it was, but. Just talking about, you know, like things change, we change, time change, or life circumstances change. I was actually Kevin Hart. He said, you know, when he when he started forming a small team, he had more people to worry about, so he couldn't just think about himself. And he, they were depending on him. And I think that is pretty, I related to that because it was like, yeah, when I was just fighting, it was me, whatever. I'll drive five hours to train for an hour and drive home for five hours. Didn't matter. But like, Things are different now, so I enjoy different things now. But uh, yeah, I mean, I love trust. I love fighting. I love fighting. <laughs> I love wrestling. I love getting after it. I love all of that stuff. Um, so while I don't spend my actual day doing it, um, you know, it's still a part of who I am and, and a large part of my my uh, kind of philosophy of life. No, very cool. I mean, I would love to uncover then uh, just a little bit about your UFC career. I mean, that's got to be a lifelong dream for you to to finally step in the ring. Is that true? It, well, it was. So, my, you know, my, my life, lifelong dream was to, to win a state title. And then it was become an All-American. And, and like the, the dream of, I'm not going to say every kid wrestler, but, you know, it was to win an Olympic gold medal. That's, that's it. You know, that's, that, 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 that's like the purest thing there is in the sport of wrestling and most amateur sports. Um, you know, that was not in my, my uh, whatever, my, my portfolio. But uh, once I finished all that stuff and, and then it was like this redirect on the UFC, then, yeah, that became it. Getting to the UFC was the first thing. And then winning a title in the UFC was another thing. Well, I, you know, when I signed, I remember when I got the call that, that I, I was going to be signed to the UFC, I cried. I was driving. I was on Route 80 in Pennsylvania. I think Route 80 stretches, if not across the country, at least out to the Midwest. And I'm based in Pennsylvania. And I... Uh, I just started crying. It was like, this is it. This is it. You know, and I, you talk about my learning process and we'll get into that, but I'm going to relate when we do get into that, relate it to this experience as well. Um, but yeah, getting there, I mean, it was, it was the real deal. And these were fist fights. <laughs> it wasn't a basketball <laughs> game. It was like a real fist fight. So it was, it was something. You act, you love the, the, just the human animal instinct of fighting though, don't you? Yeah, it's a weird thing because I come from a small town, small conservative town and, you know, do things right, you know, uh, straight and narrow. And then I started fighting. Well, I mean, a lot happened in life. And then I started fighting. I was just like, you know, like (laughs) this, like primalcy and like fight and honesty and truth and all this stuff starts coming out. So, I mean, it's it's scary as all get out. But at the same time, it's like dang, this is really awesome stuff. <laughs> I mean, so so when you were in high school, getting onto the mat, and then when you were older, into the octagon, was there a light switch flicked on for you? Or were you the same person outside of that mat as you were going onto it? You know, I, I certainly there's a, 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 a yin and yang to it. You know, there's, a, there's like a very primal uh, uh, fight, you know, instinct, right? So I, I think I'm the same person, but it's like a switch, you know, cause I'm me in my house or I'm me when I'm walking with my family to a football game, but there's a part of me, <laughs> I read this a lot about military people. Um, but there is certainly a part of me while I'm pleasantly walking to the football game on a Friday night with my family. I'm also thinking in the back of my head, is anyone around me? If anyone tries to attack me, I know what I'm going to do. So it's, 
it's the same me that, that that's kind of working at the same time. But if someone tries to hit, if someone tries to take you out, and you're trained, you're going to respond. And that's kind of you know, you step into the octagon, they shut the door and say, "Ready, go!" And it's like, well, he's coming at me. I have no <laughs> other choice than just go. I mean, a lot of highs, a lot of lows throughout your career. I think it was you defeated uh, Rick Story, who was ranked number six overall at the time. Looking back on your entire athletic career, you want to talk about maybe the highest high and the lowest low? Yeah, I mean that 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 was. There's been a lot of good moments, but that was that was the the the, the best. I mean that that was nothing short of a dream come true. You know, it's like imagine you dreamed one night that you were whatever this small guy, no namer. And then they said, you're fighting the big scary guy. And you're like, yeah. And then you win and then you beat him, And then it's like, whoa. And then you're in the, I mean, that, that's what it was. So that was, it was a dream come true. Um, you know, there were some other small, other small moments, um, you know, very kind of insignificant fight I had coming up. I got cut really bad over my eye and it probably could have been stopped. And this, this kid I was fighting had a, either right at 500, he was like 10 and 10 or 11 and 10. Uh, but he was just tough. Like he just liked to fight. It wasn't about competition. It was just about fighting and, and coming through that fight, persevering, winning, I was all banged up. That was a big moment. There was another really good one, my senior year. So I, I was in the round of 12 division one wrestling. And, and if you win that round of 12, then you get to the eight and the eight get an all American medal, which is a big deal in wrestling. And, uh, I remember I was wrestling, so I had beat like two kids I shouldn't have beat, and then I, I, to beat this third kid was to go into the round of twelve. And I remember it was a uh, you know some sort of scramble. I ended up on top, and I remember looking at my coach. I got two, so I think that put me up by like four points or five points. And uh, I looked over at my coach in the middle of this scramble. I was basically sitting on this kid, smiling at my coach. <laughs> he was like, "Wrestle, wrestle, <laughs> stop smiling." So those were some good ones. Um, you know, some bad ones, obviously state finals, my senior year, that was, that was, that was very, 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 very tough. Uh, losing to, uh, getting knocked out by Danny Castillo, not out cold. That was, that was big and bad. Uh, my last fight in Brazil, when I was choked out by Leandro Silva, that was like a, uh, it was lonely. It was bad, but it was lonely because I was in Brazil and I had a whole, it was like a 21 hour trip home. And, you know, my corner, my friends had flown out separately. So I was by myself. And it was uh, a really low point of uh, reflection. And it, it was just a bad, lonely time. And, and But I read a book on the way home, uh, How Elrod's Miracle Morning. And I, I kind of feel like that, that book, you know, I'd have to look in my records, but I feel like that book kind of solidified this kind of reading path, this life learning path for me. So, you know, something did, something good did come out of it. Yeah, it's like all those experiences and those tough times really codified who you are today and, and helped develop that. And you just mentioned your term and, and your goal on becoming the world's toughest lifelong learner. And I absolutely love that. And, and that's really why I wanted to have you on today. And where did that goal come from for you for, for becoming the world's toughest lifelong learner? Yeah, so it, it, it kind of naturally, uh, 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 organically kind of sh showed itself. So you know, I'm I post fighting. It was like, what am I going to do? And then I wrote a book and I started speaking. I started building a podcast and I was like, all right, well, this is like more than, than I'm the Spaniard and this is my story. You know, when I started speaking, that was basically it. I'm the Spaniard. This is my story. You know, and I, I learned enough that, okay, we'll connect a lesson to each little story within that story. But like what I've 
started to learn quickly is like, it's not really fun talking about myself all the time, right? Like it happened. It's in a book. So if it's like, <laughs> if the whole world could just read this book and then I can just hit the ground, talk, hit the ground talking about all the stuff I'm learning. Um, so I, I've started to realize like, okay, well, I'll, I'll start learning more stuff to keep my brain fresh. Give me more stuff to talk about, more stuff to share. It started coming back to this idea of teacher, right? Cause I was a Spanish teacher and I used to tell the kids I'm a teacher of life with a specialty in Spanish. And really all that changed is I just dropped the Spanish. Now I'm just a teacher of life. So I've, I've stayed super active in the gym while I don't fight train on a regular basis. I'm strength conditioning, running, whatever you can imagine on a, you know, five, six, seven day a week basis. So the, the element of toughness is, is uh, pertinent in, in my, in my life and in, in, in career. Now I, I have a, a thousand push-up workout that I often live stream and that like, it's just a, something that I started doing and it's like, wow, I just thought it, it dawned on me that that's pretty abnormal, you know, it can be perceived as tough. And, uh, some of the other stuff I was doing, I just realized this is not normal at all. Like people don't do this. Even retired fighters don't do this. Right. And then uh, a lifelong learner, it was obvious. I was just reading, 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 talk, teaching, 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 teaching. And then my uh, my uh, partner and I, Dredd, who's my sounding board, my Mr. Miyagi, edits, you know, just helps in every way possible. One day we were we were just talking and, and I was looking around and uh, different like mottos, logos, et cetera. And I saw, you know, my friend Mark Marrow, who's America's number one uh, school presenter. So he has a, a middle and high school presentation he does. And I was like, wow, that sounds pretty cool. And I was like, in my mind, I was like, uh, Dredd and I have been talking about tough and lifelong learning. I was like, America's toughest lifelong learner. Yeah. So I called Dredd and he was like, that's really good. But world is the best. <laughs> World's even better. So I was like, heck yeah, I'm the world's <laughs> toughest lifelong learner. And uh, it, it's just something to me, it, it, it connotes what I aspire to be. I aspire to be a, a physically and mentally tough human being, right? Someone who stands up for what's right, can defend myself, my family, people who can't defend themselves, but also someone who's intellectually tough. You know, like you can have a conversation. You, you can, you know, my brother just yesterday told me about an article uh, he read called Thinking Critically About Critical Thinking or something like that. So, so to have the awareness and the, the ability, the cognitive ability to have a conversation with someone and, and be open to learning and listening to me, th that's, that's it. That's, that's life. That's the point. Right. And so the, the idea of, of thinking of myself as the world's toughest lifelong learner, and then having you listener think to yourself, wow, I can be a tough lifelong learner too. This is cool. And like I just said, reading this warrior kid book, it's like, heck yeah, man, <laughs> let's get after it this morning. And it, it, that, that's kind of the, uh, the origin and the, how we landed on that. Yeah, no, thanks for uncovering that origin. And I, much like yourself, just absolutely love consuming, learning. Uh, and I know many of the listeners do. And, and you mentioned kind of being uncomfortable. And, and I want to know about growth and uncomfortability and how those two correlate together. And, and do you think getting uncomfortable is essential for growing? I do. I, I bring stuff on myself. So first of all, all of this is contingent upon preparation. So everything, you know, everything I talk about is contingent upon the fact that I trained for this. I prepared for this. Okay. So I gave a talk on Saturday. It was at a military event. I didn't know exactly what I was going to say. I had some ideas. I don't write anything down. It's all in my brain because of the repetition of doing this over and over. But 
a part of me was like, oh, I should have written the bullet points. Blah, blah, blah. And I thought, no, man, you're ready. Just just go do it. Like, it's a little uncomfortable, but you're going to you're going to shine because there's a quote that um, it's a Mr. Rogers quote. It's something along the lines, if not exactly uh, the best, the greatest gift you can give someone is the gift of your honest self. So I believe in this lifelong learning. I believe in books, the power that they give you by consuming and teaching and talking about them. So the best thing I can do for anyone is to be that aspect of me the most, right? So to give it my all. And, um, you know, so, so, so that's what I did. Um, so it was a little uncomfortable. Yeah. Uh, the jokes. <laughs> so I led with a really cheesy joke, right? Um, it was a, a black tie affair and, you know, I wore, I wore a black suit with a blue tie and my opening joke was, I was told this was a black tie affair. I'm so embarrassed. I have a blue tie on. <laughs> and it was like a really cheesy joke, but I thought, man, just lean into it, which is a success principle from Jack Canfield's book, success principles. So it's like, it's not just reading this stuff. It's actually then living it. Right. So if Jack Canfield is telling me to lean into it, if Kevin Hart is, is telling me to always do your best. It's like, just do what the, the, the blueprint is there. So just do it. Um, but I bring this stuff on me physically, you know, these training workouts I do, I, I'm not actually training for anything other than life. Um, but to me, it, it, it is exactly that. Yeah. I want to be uncomfortable because I want to grow. I mean, you do a great job recalling some of these principles and it seems like absolutely incorporating them into your life when you're consuming some of this knowledge, these books, do you have a specific practice? Are you taking notes, um, underlining things? What's your routine like there? Yeah, man. And I love geeking out about this stuff. I've actually thought about either making a video or a course or, or a workshop or something to teach people this. So yes, yeah, so I, I, I used to do all my reading on Kindle because it was easy to highlight and then log, right? So I would go from, this is going to get real nerdy here. For no, me, I absolutely love this. So this is great. Okay. So I used to go on Kindle and then, you know, the highlighting in Kindle automatically puts it on your Amazon account on your Kindle account on Amazon. So I'd have it logged there from, it used to be really tricky with the old Kindle, but it was actually a lot easier with the, the new Kindle and the way Amazon does it now. But anyway, I would have it all on Kindle log, right? And then I would copy and then put it on my Evernote. So I have like probably 75 books on Evernote with the notes from that book. And, and for a long time, I, this is the way I did it. I could recall, make notes, create a presentation somewhere I could recall. And then I read the success principle book. And it was only because it was really long. So it was about 500 pages. There's, I think, 67 principles. And I did a 30-day study of that book on my show. And I needed to have it more handy. So I thought, all right, I'll just buy the book. And then I bought the book and I started reading it. And I was like, wow, this is really awesome. So I'm really big on, and from this, I'll get into my, my journal. I'm really big on creating uh, artifacts for my kids, right? When I'm, when I'm gone to, to have them have them, right? Like to know their dad, what their dad thought, to see my handwriting, my notes, I leave them little clues in it. And you know, that, that's a hope. <laughs> I hope it gets in their hands someday. <laughs> so I started writing in the, the, um, the actual hard cover, the hard books, the hard copy books I got. And it's kind of morphed into an own little system. And this isn't like set in stone, but when I read a book, I'm reading with the intent of, okay, I'm going to reproduce this. I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to use it somehow. So generally when I under, I have a little system that I underline, and again, this could evolve in time, 
you know, I'll underline a certain way for this thought. I'll underline a certain way for that. And then I'll do another thing for that. So depending on how I'm going to use this piece of material from the book is how I'll uh, denote it or connote or note it in the book. Um, and then what I do every day. So re from reading, I'll create a lesson plan every day for my show because I put out a daily episode and it's, it, it, showed itself to be eight minutes, right? It just kind of evolved to be eight minutes, but I'll make normally three bullet points. So I take what I read that day, okay? And then I, I take the three bullet points that resonate with me most. I make a, a lesson plan in my book, and that serves as the guide for that day's episode. And generally it's a, a concept or a quote, right? Or a thought, I'll say it, I do a little bit of connecting it to the listeners' lives. I connect it to my life. And then I give like kind of a, a, a lesson learned from that point. And then at the end of every week, I take those, I flip through my journal. I take those, I make the what I learned this week document, which is the seven most powerful points from that week. I make a PDF, email it out to my email list, and then I create an episode on my podcast. So that's like, one, two, three, four levels of learning going on there. And it that's why it's so, I don't want to say easy, but commonplace for, for me to recall something. It's a ginormous matrix of information. Yeah, I'm always trying to figure out best practices and, and ways I can really remember the stuff I'm consuming more. So I think I'm going to have to implement some of these things. You seem pretty maniacal in, in how you distill some of these these larger level things. So I'm thinking about a day for you. And do you have very specific routines for everything you do from your training, obviously what you do with your work and your podcast, diet, things like that? Yeah, I'm pretty obsessive. I do want to backtrack one second. So that matrix of information, again, that was a concept that I got from a book. It wasn't magic of thinking big. Uh, it might come to me. I forget it off the top of my head, which happens a lot also. Um, but that's an example of you just get stuff like stuff that makes sense. Um, so yes, uh, am I maniacal? Yes, I am maniacal. I'm obsessive. I, I do things a certain way and it's, uh, it's pretty, it's not like, I'm not, I'm not diagnosed with OCD, but I'm, 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 I, I'm very obsessive and it's kind of hard to, to be around me at times. You know, with my questioning, just incessant questioning, needing to understand, needing to know, it annoys a lot of people or it tries a lot of people's patience. The way I do my workouts, I, you know, I, I, I started journaling them at the beginning of the year and I started doing them in a very systematic way. Uh, again, logging that my son and daughter want to follow my workouts when they're older, they'll have my workouts. But I do a lot of, uh, it's very systematic a lot of times, like set uh, reps per minute for X minutes. Right. And then that way I know where I stand, if I'm improving, if I'm faltering, et cetera. Um, drinking water, I have water with me all the time. The way I read, I read for, you know, I don't know, probably an hour, hour and a half a day. Do all this note taking on top of that. Record my, my podcast episode. <laughs> I'm a weirdo, man. I'm a I'm a I'm like a, a dork that loves to fight and uh, read books. You mentioned you're reading for for about an hour a day. Do you have a specific time each day that you're sit, sitting down to read? Yeah, the earlier the better. So I, I normally, so I'll say ninety percent of the time, it's at five five thirty in the morning. And then uh, what what I was doing? So for a long, long time, I was waking up at four thirty, and I'll say you know probably a year ish. I was waking up at four thirty. I would read, I would make a lesson plan, I would go work out, I would come home, I would record my episode, I would upload, publish, do all that, 
in time for about 7.15 when my kids got up. And then I, I, after doing it for so long, I was just too tired. Like I just, I couldn't do it anymore. And so I, I started getting up a little bit later and, you know, 5, 5.15, 5.30. And so the, the, I'm trying to weigh, you can see how obsessive I am. I'm trying to weigh, all right, do I want to train in the morning or do I want to read in the morning? Um, because life is such that unless I get up at 4.30, I can't do both. So I'm either going to start going to bed earlier, getting up at the 4.30 to do both, or generally I've been landing on reading in the morning and training uh, a little bit later in the morning. Earlier, you mentioned you were reading two books this morning. Are you always reading multiple books? Um, kind of. So I have a kid's, you know, so, so my show is called The Spaniard Show, World's Toughest Lifelong Learner. And, you know, I do interviews. I do the What I Learned episodes. I have uh, AMX, which stands for AM Excellence, which is a, a short daily, um, basically learning episode, What I Learned That Day. And uh, so I have that book that I'm reading. I have the kids book, AMX Kids, which is teaching life lessons to kids through middle school age books. Uh, so there's at least two going on. And a lot of times I'll have a third one. It's very interesting. I, I feel like it's pretty much impossible to become one of the best in the world at something unless you surround yourself with the right support staff. So I, I kind of want to know who you're surrounding yourself with. And then do you also agree with that? Or do you think you can accomplish things 100% on your own? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm a, so I do agree with that. First and foremost, I do agree with that. And I always, this, this sounds kind of, I don't know. I don't know how you'll say it or think it, but I, I, I don't ever actually, I, I refrain from saying that the, the words, I couldn't have done it without you because I believe hundred percent, I'll find a way to do it no matter what. So that's, that's this over here. However, I'm very aware of the fact that there are people in my life who make this so much better and easier than it could be. Um, obviously, family, you know, wife, parents, et cetera. Uh, from a work perspective, Dredd. So Dredd is my, my Mr. Miyagi. He's, he's everything, right? He advises me. He helps me. He bounces ideas. We bounce ideas. He tells me, mm, no, that's not a good idea. He's certainly not a yes man. So one million billion percent dread is that that guy professionally to me. Um, it makes you, you, right now I'm doing that, you know, everything. And, and just reading Kevin Hart's book today, this morning, a little bit ago, reading how he built a team and he can just focus on being the, the comedian and everyone can do the other stuff and promotions like yeah, you can do it yourself. But it, 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 it's not the most, it's not the best way to do it. So, you know, by far dread boom. Another thing that I've really been focusing on, I don't take to like direct marketing very well. I'm just, I don't, I'm not very good at it. I don't enjoy doing it. What I enjoy is energy, talking to people, listening to people, having conversations with people. So something I started doing this year pretty strategically is forming relationships with people that I want to be like, right? People whose businesses or whose message I believe in. Um, some of those people are Jack Canfield and Patty Aubrey, who Jack Canfield wrote Success Principles and Chicken Soup for the Soul. They're starting a new thing that that I'm part of, um, meeting the 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 Echelon Front team, which is Jocko Willink and Leif Babin's team. And I've gone to two events with those guys. Had several of them on my podcast. Um, Patrick Murphy, who's the undersecretary, former undersecretary of the Army, uh, a friend of mine, but also building things with. So I've really put a lot of stock. In, in 
building real relationships. And I favor that uh, heavily. I'm actually, I'm, I'm going out to the Spark World Championships soon to, for a podcast fest. So I, I, I do believe that, that relationships and teams and, and all that stuff is, is as important as the, uh, you know, the hard work and the discipline. So, I mean, a lot of those people you mentioned, they're, they're doing some great things out in the world. So when you're fortunate enough to spend some time with these people, uh, similar to your reading, are you taking notes? How, how do you distill what they're teaching you? Uh, so, so sometimes I will take notes, you know, so like several of the meetings that Dred and I have with, with Canfield and Patty Aubrey. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're, we're recording, you know, with permission, we're recording and taking notes and distilling that, um, when I, when I interview people for my show, Dread takes care of the show notes. So there's, yes, the, the, that is cataloged as well. When I go to an event, uh, so it's, it's pretty, pretty um, transmutable from fighting to, you know, learning and consuming. So when I would fight, you know, I train every day, such as you learn every day, and then I'd go out and fight and I would do my best. If I would go into that fight, right, thinking, do this, do this, do this, don't do that. It's like overload, right? Paralysis by analysis. So I don't do very well like that. I learned that, right? A la getting knocked out. Um, learning is the same way. So I went up to uh, Origin uh, BJJ camp, Origin Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu camp in Maine. And actually on front was there, Jocko, Leif, the guys were there. I didn't take notes at all. Uh, it was like, I, I, if, if I would have went there thinking I need to take notes, I need to, blah, blah, then I wouldn't really truly absorb it. So in an instance like that, in an instance like the event at Spartan that I'm going to here soon, I'm going to go there for the purity of that experience. So it was just at West Point the other day. It's like, you'll retain, I, I, there's different, there's a time and place. You know, if I'm reading a book and I'm making a lesson plan, yeah, I'm taking notes like mad, right? But if it's like experiential learning, I'm just consume, I'm just being the Spaniard and learning and listening. And then whatever I recall, right? If I record an episode about that trip, whatever I recall, whatever comes out of my mouth is what I've recalled, right? It's what's supposed to come out of my mouth at that time. That's kind of how I feel about giving talks as well. It's like, you're going to get me at that moment. And by giving you me at that moment, it's going to be different if you hear me in that moment in a week or two weeks. No, I appreciate you can separate those things. And I think so many people use the exact same process for, for everything they're involved with. So it's cool to hear about your process with that. You mentioned Jocko, and I know a lot of the listeners are fans of his podcast, and you got to spend some time up there in Maine with him. What's he like to be around? And, and what do you walk away from after spending time with him that you now have used in your life? I, I think one of the coolest things about all of them, right? So so the, the whole team is so I'll start with like authenticity, purity, and truth, right? Those though, when I think of them, echelon front, that it's authentic, it's truthful, it's them. There's no, there's no copy, right? No copywriting, no copy. It's, it's them, right? And they, you hear, this is a, 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 a thing I observe just from not even talking to them, just being around, being, you go to a, a jujitsu session and you hear Jocko teach, or you talk to Leif, like you hear them talk, right? So their, their thing, right? Uh, you know, uh, Extreme Ownership, their new book, Dichotomy of Leadership, that's them, right? They didn't create a book. 
they didn't create a book and then start using the lingo from the book, right? They used lingo, they live principles, and they create a book as a result of that. So it is purely them. And that's what I come home with. You know, I come home from that thinking, man, not a lot of people get me. Not a lot of people are, are into this learning thing. People left and right, I don't have time to read, blah, 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 I don't know. Like if someone see the, the, the notes I take, they, 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 oh, I don't have time for that. So I get that people don't value that now, but I believe in it so much. And the idea of mission above self, which is an extreme ownership, it's a, it's a principle I'm sure across the board, but I learned from extreme ownership as far as the five love languages. Um, that those things, the, the purity of their message, the fact that their product, their thing results from them, not the other way around, um, is, is, is huge. That, that, that's, that's a huge takeaway for me to, to tell myself and, and keep doing what I'm doing. I love hearing about the different takeaways from the people you've surrounded yourself with. And obviously you've had a very accomplished athletic career. Who are some of the best mentors or coaches that you've been fortunate enough to be around? You know, I, I so obviously my, my, my parents, first and foremost, my parents, I just, I was at home yesterday. So I live a couple hours from where I grew up, but I was just home yesterday and I was, I'm smiling because, you know, my mom made spaghetti meatballs and we had a big family party. And that's like makes this the happiest thing in the world. But I was kind of busting on her. She was telling me a story about how one of she's a, a school nurse and one of the kids was like, you're Charlie Brennan's mom. And she was telling me that story, <laughs> which makes me laugh because she doesn't care at all. Nobody cares. Um, but I was busting on her. But then I was sincere saying, you know, a serious moment with her and my dad telling them what they have done for me. Uh, so by for them, you know, some great wrestling coaches, uh, you know, my college, my co college coach, Rocky Bonomo, he's assistant coach. Uh, he and Carl Paul were my head coaches and they were both great coaches. And I still talk to rock on a daily basis. I mean, on a regular basis, not daily, but a regular basis, but you know, he's just someone whose personality person. My son, his name is Rocky and, and you know, it, it's after Rocky Balboa, but Rocky Bonomo, my coach was the first other person, a real person I knew with the name Rocky. And I was like, this is awesome. I'm going <laughs> to name my son Rocky. So, you know, he's, he's had a big role in my life. And then, uh, dread my, well, first of all, my brother, my manager fighting that, uh, you know, they, 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 you know, my brother did, did so much for me when I was fighting, uh, you know, my, my manager, Mike was able to get stuff for me that, that was like, holy cow. And then uh, now present day, it's, it's dread, like dread, dreads up at four in the morning, thinking about Spaniard stuff. And he's up at one in the morning texting me saying, Hey, if you're still up, give me a call. And like, I was driving home from West point the other day, I went up to, to do a couple, uh, podcast episodes. They had a leadership conference and it was one in the morning and I'm like, you know, dead tired on route 78 driving home. And, and he texts me, says, Hey, if you're still driving, call me. So I zeroed in the last part of the conversation, last part of the drive with talking with dread. And then, you know, it's, it's just, it's just this constant thing, but I'm, I'm, I'm blessed to, to have had those people, um, you know, in my life. Yeah. It's unbelievable what surrounding yourself with some of those people can do to, to help push your life forward and also their lives. And a little bit earlier, you kind of mentioned your training and you're just kind of training for life these days, but what's the training structure? I know you mentioned you had a 1000 pushup uh, day you might do. What are some of the other workouts you might do? So I, I, I generally train, um, you know, I'll do a long run or something once a week. And when I say long run, I'm talking five miles, mostly maybe 10 miles. Sometimes it's from around my brothers. Um, but I, I generally train anywhere from 30 to 50 minutes. 
I have a thousand push-up routines, which I do between 33 and 40 minutes. So I have different different workouts to accomplish that in that time frame. I have um, you know uh, circuits where I'll do 20 reps of every body part and do that seven times through. I have uh, sprint workouts called Death by Treadmill, which is 10 miles per hour and 10% incline uh, for 15 minutes off and on, 30 seconds. Uh, that That's absolutely hellacious. That was one that I did when I was fighting to let me know that, okay, hey, I'm ready to rock and roll. Um, I have uh, different different pull-up you know, circuits. I got kettlebell circuits. I have a Bulgarian bag circuit. So I do a little bit of everything. But the, the, the bottom line of my training is this. You know, when you're a professional, when you're when you're living the life of a professional fighter as a professional fighter should live, you walk around with the level of confidence in in everything you do, right? And I, I need to maintain that in my life. So that's that my training has resulted from that. You know, when I stand up from a thousand rep push-up circuit, I'm ready to rock and roll, whatever. Put me on a stage, put me in a fist fight, put me whatever, I'm ready to rock and roll. Um, so it's it's maintaining the, the psychological benefits, I think, from professional fighting in, in my daily life. And, and that's kind of the reason I train how I train. Yeah, you just mentioned it, self-confidence. And I think that's one of the most important things of many of the most successful people. So in terms of self-confidence, what is it that you know more than anybody else? I don't, I don't know that I know more, but I'll tell you this much. I battle with self-confidence. My sister texted me the other day. So she, I, I live stream, first of all, I live stream everything and then upload everything to my podcast. So it's just, it literally is the Spaniard show. It's, it's me. Uh, but she texted me and she said something like, you're like, she, she drew the, the analogy that I'm a regular guy, but I also walk sometimes in that life of famous people. And she, she said, you're, you're a good conduit between those two things. And I think most of all, so I, I deal with self-doubt every day, every day, every day. I, I learn. Uh, so I was on a reality TV show, show called pros versus Joe's. And the reason I learned after the fact, the reason I knew I was going to win that show was because I knew I looked at my opponents and I knew wholeheartedly that I worked harder than you, 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 and you. One million percent, I know I did, because you basically told me what you did, and I know I did more. So that that resulted in confidence, conviction, whatever. So it's the same way now. Like, I, through, like how can you fight Anthony Johnson and think you're going to win? Like, <laughs> it's just not human, right? But I believed I worked harder than him. I lost, right? But I believed it. And that's the only thing that gave me hope, right? In Kevin Hart's book, he says, like, just play the odds, right? If you don't believe, you're not gonna win. But if you believe, you may, you might win. So it's like do the work such that you can truly believe you put in more work than the other person and that you're you're kind of worthy of that, uh, worthy, capable, however you want to put it, of that victory. Um, so that's it. You know, the reason that I know the Spaniard will be on the same uh, playing field as these all these guys I'm talking about in the future is because I know the system that I have, AMX, the reading, the note taking, the the producing my episodes, the talking, it 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 just the system is there and it can't not work. It's just a matter of will I continue doing it until it works? And I know from past experience, yeah. I'll keep going. 
So it's, it's, that's how you breed confidence. Trust me, 99.9% of people who, who are listening right now, if they saw my notebook and saw that I did this for the last 566 days, they would say, you are crazy. But I would say, no, I just want it. That's it. I just want it. And, and so this is why I'm doing it. No, I really appreciate how much thought you've put in, into that response because clearly you've thought about that and your systems, your routines, how you've gotten to where you are and where you're going next. So it's really cool to hear you distill that like that. And you've mentioned a lot of books. And one of my favorite things that you do is what I've learned this week. And a lot of times you mentioned the books like you've done so far in this podcast. And you mentioned Kevin Hart's book, I Can't Make This Up, Life Lessons. What are a few things you've taken away from some of the books you've read recently? I know going through your uh, reading list, which is on your website, we'll have linked up. But you also mentioned Stephen King's book, Bear Grylls' book. It seems like there's so many great life lessons you take away. Any of those really come to top of mind for you? Well, yeah, and I'll tell you what I started doing when I give these talks is I started so so I, I did a talk in a military event on Saturday. So I, I went through my books and I grabbed a handful. I think I grabbed seven or eight of them. So part of my talks, you know, maybe maybe this will work. I'm I'm trying, you know, I'm experimenting. Um part of my talks is telling people what I've learned from the books, right? Like a point or two, why it might relate to them. And my mission is to develop lifelong learners. My mission is to develop people who read books. And so it's kind of like I'm trying to entice them, telling them what these books can do for them in the hopes that they'll read a book. And my belief is that reading a book is going to raise the level of being, right? It's going to raise the level of society, Um, you know, one book at a time. But, you know, I mentioned a bunch from Kevin Hart's book. I talked about the way of the warrior kid a fair amount. I'll just kind of go through a couple of the last ones I read. Uh, you know, Burn My Heart at Wounded Knee. I read a lot of stuff. Burn My Heart at Wounded Knee taught me about Native American history and 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 the United States, uh, the formation of the United States and uh, moving westward. And it was a tremendous book. And, and probably the thing I built most from that was one, an awareness of Native American history, but also empathy, right? The, 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 the characteristic of empathy is, is really uh, a lot more, is stronger in me now. Uh, with Stephen King's book on writing, there was a line in the book. Well, one, there was there was talking about imitation, right? So copying. So basically, he just copied other people, like literally copied them. And then eventually that morphed into his own style. So it's like it starts with imitation. You just imitate. And then eventually you find your own voice. There was another part in that book where he talked about uh, reading and writing for four to six hours a day. I just said in this podcast, I read for an hour and I, I think I'm cool, right? Well, when I read that, I was like, all right, buddy, step it up. You know, there, there's a difference. You know, my goal is to get paid to read and write, you know, uh, and, and I, I, I'm doing a lot of things right now such that I can't just do that. Uh, but I, at least I know where I stand. Um, uh, Bear Grylls book, A Survival Guide for Life. This was a tremendous one. Again, a lot of great stuff. Easy read, fun read. But the, the one thing I learned on there was about gossip. So when you read all these books, you're going to hear this, this term impeccability, right? Be impeccable with your word. It's in Success Principles. It's in this book. It's in uh, The Four Agreements by uh, Juan Miguel Ruiz. Um, and, and in Bear Grylls' book, he said it differently. He said, if, if, the, if the person you're speaking to will think less of the person you're speaking about, then it's gossip. So cut it out. So that reminded me, huh. That's a great way to think of it. I'm going to tell that to my kids, you know? So 
I'll give you one more, man. You opened up a can of worms, but I'll give you one more. <laughs> I love this uh, can. <laughs> born, born Standing Up by Steve Martin. All right? Originality, craftsmanship, uh, uniqueness, those jump out at me. So the, the, he said eight, he was in eight comedy 18 years, 10 years learning, four years refining, and four years experiencing success. So four out of 18 years were experiencing success. Like how, how, can, like how can you not read that? And if you're someone with a dream or someone with a mission, like how can you not just say to yourself, shut up, Spaniard, keep working, oh. you know? And it's, I just, I, I love this stuff, man. Yeah, it's so true. I mean, the journey that most of these people went through, and you mentioned Kevin Hart, and I know he would even go and do these performances just to get extra reps in, even if really no one was listening to yeah. his routines. And it's just so cool hearing about those. And you you pulled out some lines from Stephen King's book, and one he mentions that I want to hear your perspective on is he talks about what turns his dial up to 10. And I want to know what really turns your dial up to 10. <laughs> yeah, I like that. I actually forgot about that. I'm glad you said it. I think I have that in my AMX, like when I covered it, but I, I did just forget about that. Uh, another quick thing you said about uh, Kevin Hart doing the reps. Uh, uh, Steve Martin's the same way, man. It's like you read these, that, that, that I mean, he, he doesn't say the reps, but it's the same thing. You just keep reading the same thing. You're like, oh, that's it. Uh, what turns my dial up to 10? Honest to goodness, man, learning. Learning turns my, learning and teaching turns my dial up to 10. Um, you know, there's, <laughs> when I talk about fighting, when I talk about training, those things are like hard, right? So there's a, but when, when I got to go to the gym, all right, I know I got to go. I'm going to go. I know I'm going to feel better after, but there's the pain that I'm going to feel to get to that point with learning, teaching for me. It's like, it's all the goodness the, 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 I guess the, the work is the reading, but I just love every bit of it. So that man, learning and teaching knowledge. Uh, I heard Leif, who's Jocko's partner say he loves engaging with leaders. Well, I love engaging with learning. So that's what turns my dial up, man. Give me people who want to talk. This freaking turns me up to 10, dude. You're turning me up to 10 because you care about my learning process. You care about my notes. You care about all this stuff. That's what I, That's what turns me up to 10, man. You give me a kid. You give me a person who wants to learn and talk about books. Heck yeah, man. Let's dive into it. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it turns me up to 10 as well because I don't think there's anyone who could consume your lessons, your podcasts and not get more out of life and not be able to still their practices down more. And so I really do appreciate what you've done. I want to make sure we connect the listeners with more of what you're doing. I know we've mentioned a lot of it. Where can they best stay connected with you right now? So my, my website is charliespaniard.com. All of my social media is at Charlie Spaniard. My show is called The Spaniard Show. So if you go on iTunes and just type in Spaniard, you'll find it. You see my mug on, on the cover there. And, uh, like I said, I'm a, I'm a learning machine and I'm a teaching machine and I will not go away until I go away. You know, <laughs> uh, this is a, as much a part of me as, as anything. And I just believe that learning, it, it, it enhances your life. And I want to develop people who buy into it and put in the time and to use a Jocko term, prioritize and execute and, and make it a part of their life. But I'm, I'm, I love engaging in learning. So message me, contact me. I put out, I don't know, seven or eight or maybe I'm probably going to start out putting more episodes um, a week. But, you know, it's anything from traditional interviews to what I learned this week to short AMX episodes to solo sods to dread episodes. I mean, there's I probably <laughs> I'm following the Gary Vee model, right? So I'm putting it out there. 
But some people would probably say you're doing too much stuff, man. But whatever, I love it. Yeah, no, I'm I'm, I'm going to ask my listeners for the next week. I want you consuming everything Charlie puts out because I truly believe after that week you'll look back and say you've gotten further with your goals and, and where you're trying to go in life. And the people who opt into your weekly email, is there a way to go back? I know you've had about what seventy five of those. Uh, that you've been putting out. Is there yeah. any way to um, recover the old ones you've put out and go through them? Do you have that anywhere? That's a great question. I have them all on my drive. Um, so I'm, I, I'm, 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 I'm bouncing, you know, I'm bouncing ideas off my brain all the time. Uh, but yes, at, at, at a point somehow, uh, I'll make a point of making that happen. Uh, for now, the best I can offer are the weekly ones. And if you email me, I mean, if you go out of your way to email me and say, hey, can you send me the links? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I'll do it. Okay. Um, awesome. But I'm I'm, I'm going to try to find a way to make it easier for people as well. Cool. Well, I'm looking forward to that. Well, Charlie, I, I really can't thank you enough. I appreciate how you've helped me out. And I know the listeners that connected with this show, they're, they're going to love hearing from you and uh, following and staying up to date on all things you're doing. So thanks again for joining us on What Got You There. I appreciate it, man. And make sure you send me this link. I'm blasting it out everywhere because this was one of the most fun conversations I've had in a long time. You got it. I appreciate that. For the What Got You There listeners who love to travel and want to see the world, listen up. We've teamed up with Globekick, who make it affordable to enjoy peak life experiences with like-minded people from around the world. Globekick expertly designs, curates, and scouts global adventures for you to join. Each trip lasts one week and is designed to balance their unique blend of adventure, culture immersion, and relaxation. Globekick has some epic adventures planned, such as cage diving with great white sharks in Cape Town, South Africa, dog sledding and northern light chasing in Norway, and to see the rest, head to globekick.com. If you want to travel the world with your kind of people and not break the bank, then make sure to stop at globekick.com and enter code WGYT to receive 10% off your membership. What got you there with Shonda Laney? Uh, what got you there with Shonda Laney? What got you there with Shonda Laney? Uh, what got you there with got you, got you? Thanks for listening to another episode of What Got You There. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a review on iTunes and also share with your friends. Thanks so much. Looking forward to talking with you next time. If you want to stay up to date on all things I'm working on behind the scenes and everything we've got going on at What Got You There, head over to whatgotyouthere.com. You'll also be able to see more on podcast guests and what they're doing. Thanks to Justin Great for providing us the intro and outro song. If you like his music and want to find out more about what he's working on, head over to justingreat.com.